Hello witchy peeps, welcome back to Cat's Tea and Witchcraft. My name is Fauna and I am your host. Today's episode is episode 22 and goes over safe ways to practice witchcraft if you are still in the broom closet. Before I get started on today's content for the episode, I would like to remind you that the podcast does have social media. If you would like to follow the podcast social media on Instagram, you can follow at Cats Tea and Witchcraft on Twitter at Cats Tea and Witch. And you can also send emails at Cats Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. So today's episode is more for those who have not publicly come out as a practicing witch or are, like I said, in the room closet. This is more directed towards adults who would like to explore their religious or their just spirituality overall. I'm not sure what everyone considers witchcraft, if it's religious or if it's spiritual or if it's something completely on its own. I personally tie it in together, but for some people, they are not religious, so the religious side of it is not a factor for them. So what does it mean to be in the broom closet? Being in the broom closet means that you are not openly practicing. Either you aren't fully practicing or you're hiding it from friends because things are new or you've been a witch for a really long time and you are not sure about your friends, family, members of your community or even coworkers about how they might feel or how they might perceive you once they find out that you're into witchcraft, you're learning about it or you've just always been one. Unfortunately, witches and even just pagan practitioners still face discrimination and even violence from others who do not understand that witchcraft and or being pagan is not devil worshipping, evil, or wrong. Depending on where someone lives, some people might not feel comfortably about openly or even partially letting others know about their craft because it may risk a loss of friends, family, risk being kicked out of their homes, property damage, harassment, and even loss of employment um, depending on maybe what country you live in because not all countries, I would assume, or all places uh, protect against religious discrimination. Don't quote me on that, but I have heard in places of the world people are still discriminated against for not following the social norm. In the United States, we are religiously protected, but it doesn't mean that you won't face harassment which in itself is illegal to harass someone for their religious beliefs because it is religious discrimination. But there are still situations where people will face violence because of it, and essentially that is a hate crime. So because of the fear and the unknown of how people react to being a witch or knowing that someone's a witch is a scary thing, and it could be even scarier than you discovering yourself that you are a witch. Because for those who were taught that being a witch is bad and evil or maybe might not have known a lot about it growing up, there's that fear. It's like anything new in your life, you become scared. But when you accept yourself, that's completely different than other people accepting yourself. So sometimes, and a lot of the time, people still silently practice their craft for the safety of themselves and maybe the safety of other people around them. But it is ultimately up to you to analyze your situation and to decide if you want to be public about your practice. This next message that I have is for anyone who is under the age of 18 or under the legal adult age from where they live. 
This episode will not advise anyone who is under the legal adult age limits where they are to hide anything from their parents or disobey their household rules. But it is up to you to make your own choices. I just want to state that I do not encourage children or teens to disobey their parents or their guardians. I know that many do start their journeys when they're really young, but sometimes you are in situations where you cannot practice in your own household due to rules, especially when you're underage. It's kind of hard to get away with things. And if you start your practice or you want to get things such as witchy tools, this can risk them being taken away from you, you getting in trouble, and sometimes people still do get kicked out of their home depending on if it's the religious beliefs or if it's other personal things about them. So I would say be very careful and you can always wait until you are of legal age. Witchcraft will always be there. And I do know that sometimes even when you are over legal age, it is hard to move out of your home, but just make a smart decision for you on your safety and what will work for you. But this episode is going to go over for those who are over the age of 18 and how you can kind of practice undercover. If you are a young teenager and you are still under your parents' household, I have a list here that is of some topics and things you can do to kind of prepare yourself for when you can practice on your own and you don't have to worry as much. Um, These aren't necessarily witchcraft in itself or magic, but they're things that are tied in with witchcraft that can just kind of get you some practice. Some things that you can do if you are under the age of 18. You can also do these things if you are a practicing witch, Um, but you can study the phases of the moon because that's technically science, right? Um, You can study the elements. Those are technically science, but maybe if you want to research a little bit more on the metaphysical and the other associations of it as well. You can read mythologies. In a lot of schools, you're forced to read mythologies anyway, so might as well just read more of it. You can meditate. You can do shadow work, which would kind of incorporate journaling. So if you're journaling about your life and how you feel about things, have a journal. If you need to hide it, just make sure you hide it really well. Um, shadow work, uh, journaling, like I said, you can record your dreams. So maybe you could either put that in your normal journal or you could have a separate dream journal. Um, learning about the symbolism in your dreams and how your body processes stress and other things that go on with your life is really cool. I started doing that at 14, way before I even really had any association with witchcraft, but it was one of the first kind of things that crept me into it. You can do arts and crafts and make jewelry. You can kind of use different colors or different stones and stuff that make you feel good. So in the process, maybe do some research on crystals. If you're walking around or outside with friends and family, you can collect rocks and shells depending on where where you are. If you're in the woods or you're at the beaches or lakes and rivers, you can learn about plants and herbs and essential oils and use that as the excuse of health and skincare. Just make sure you do know about any allergies that you may have and the proper uses of things because there are still oils and plants that are toxic. You can take cleansing baths or showers and if you have Epsom salts or any other sort of salts and oils that you want to put in your baths or showers or you can make like 
bath or shower scrubs and stuff like that to kind of help cleanse yourself. So if you're taking a shower or bath, you can just visualize light around you, dirt coming off of you because it physically is coming off of you, but also emotional and spiritual dirt washing down the drains. You can do something like that and just use that as you personal time. And then you can set daily intents. You could either do that in the morning when you wake up when you're meditating, when you're on your way to school or work, anything like that. Just focus on your goals for the day. Another thing to do that you could do on your own that doesn't take much time and you can do it in secret is shielding, grounding, and centering to help keep yourself balanced and focused. If you are a coffee or a tea drinker, you can, when if you mix anything into your drinks, you could stir your intentions or your thoughts or positive energy into your drinks clockwise um some people just stick with three some people just continue to stir as they're focusing on it just to really get that energy flowing you could even do it if you bake or cook or anything if you're mixing things up just like stir that intent into it if you're just making macaroni on the stove or you're mixing some cake batter uh, the second to last thing that I have is you can take daily or even weekly walks through nature or go hiking. I would suggest having a buddy with you and to not go alone for safety reasons. If it's a dog or a family pet of something of the sort or a parent and grandparent, even if they aren't into witchcraft, going on walks in general is just grounding and they don't need to know what's going on in your head. Just walk around and just focus on how you are feeling. And the last thing that I have is if you are religious at all, even if it is not a witchcraft religion, say if you're a Christian, you can do nightly prayers if you want and just kind of focus on your energies and stuff like that. Prayer can still be a part of witchcraft if it is part of your practice. Okay, one more thing um, is you can do yoga if... You like yoga, if you can do yoga, depending on your uh, mobility, you can do that. Um, I've actually been told that yoga is against people's religion, which I find really, really odd. And I know why they think that, but I wanna let you learn why some people think yoga is against religion. But if you, if that's the case, if you are allowed to do yoga in your household, go ahead and do yoga. It's just good for you physically and then mentally as well. So that's the first list that I have. Um, those are good for people who can't openly practice under the age of 18 in their household, but they're also good for people who are adults and they can still do all those things because they do enforce and help spirituality and witchcraft practices. The reason I put them in kind of their own category is that many of these are things that do not involve buying tools or purchasing or doing any sort of research on witchcraft topics. And that makes it easier to hide it in plain sight and probably have very, very minimal suspicion. And especially for kids who are younger practicing this, um, sometimes they don't have their own computers or they have child safety codes or whatever on their computers or their parents do monitor what they're reading and doing. So pretty much these things are just healthy things you can do on your own and think about and have your own personal like practice to yourself, but doesn't involve tools that would cause someone to maybe think something else is going on. And people who are not witches it can also still do all of these things and not be a witch. 
Okay, so the next section is going to be for the practicing adults who need to hide their practice, but does involve possibly hiding witchy content, tools, and those sort of things. So if you're living with family members who you don't think will react well, or even friends, here are some things that you can do to practice privately to help reduce the risk of exposure. These first tips are not as protective as the next list that I will go over, but kind of more just moderate things. Maybe if you don't think anything negative will come out of um, your friends and family finding out, but you kind of just want to keep it private into yourself for a little bit. And maybe they do know, but they just don't, they're not nosy and maybe they purposely don't ask questions and they just let you do your own thing. This list will be good for the people who kind of have more private rooms or office spaces who only occasionally have people entering them. So the low risk of snooping or people accessing these things when you're not around. I say this because there are cases of people who do live with friends and family and they don't always have privacy because sometimes people don't respect their personal space or the places that they live is more shared and there is not really a way to have privacy, especially maybe if you're married and you haven't come to your partner about your new practice or maybe you are sharing a room and you live in a dorm room and you're with college. So anything of that sort where you just kind of want to keep your things to yourself but people really aren't going through it or even if they do, it, it's not that big of a deal but you still kind of want to keep your stuff to yourself. The first thing I have on the list is that you can store your tools under your bed in boxes, in clothing drawers, closets, or in any crates that you can use to make it easy to cover or stack your things on top of. You can make book covers for any books that you have in bookshelves or even if you're just stacking them in other places or just turn the, um, the spines the other direction to where they can't read the spine if you don't want to put book covers on it and then you just see the inside pages. If you're journaling or you take any notes, you don't have to use books or notebooks that are super witchy looking. So just use standard school supplies. My BOS, my Book of Shadows, is literally a three ring binder. And when I do my journaling, it's just in normal notebooks that I can get at like bookstores or dollar stores or whatever I'm at. You can use composition notebooks. You can use just regular school spiral notebooks or just folders that have paper in it. You don't need to go all crazy and use leather books or handmade paper to do any of your stuff. Especially if you're in school or you have an office space, using regular school supplies or office supplies is super easy to have things hidden. I would suggest putting them maybe in a different section to where people won't go through because sometimes, especially if you have kids or other people that are just looking for a single piece of paper, they'll start ripping pages. They might not read your stuff, but they'll just look for an empty page and start ripping things out. And I know if things get ripped out of my notebook and it wasn't for me, I would be livid, especially if for my field, I have a lot of drawing paper and specialty papers. And sometimes in the past, people have thought, oh, I'm just going to take a real note real quick. Using one of the pages isn't a big deal. And then they were wrong using my expensive paper. But it's a little different. But even when it comes to the notebooks, I did not like ripping pages out of my notebooks because I just had this like visual thing where I didn't want it to look messy. And I wanted to use all of the pages. So if you have... A situation like that where you don't want people to start using the pages as well if it's in like an office or like a kitchen area, put it away. It might not be obviously a witch thing, but just keep your stuff maybe just in a little section that's for you. 
if you work with candles just use white candles instead of colored candles that might stick out for reference using black or like really really purple candles and just infuse the intent really strongly into the candle because the good thing about white candles is that it's a lack of color. So this is where your intent and your energy really comes handy when maybe you don't have other tools or you're expensive or you ran out. Just use white as a substitute. And also you can just say you're using the candles because you like candles. It's a little softer on your eyes at night. Or you can just say they're there for emergencies if the power goes out because sometimes your batteries die if you have a flashlight or your phone dies and you can't use the flashlight on that and it's always good just to have backup in case something happens. You can use oil diffusers instead of incense because incense can be a little more obvious when it comes to witchy things or spirituality and diff just different religions and cultures also use it but in general, when people have certain associations of what they think about when you use incense and sometimes when you use incense in college situations, generally it's when people are smoking and they try to mask the smell. So instead of doing that and making it super obvious, you don't need to use incense when you're a witch. You can use oil diffusers as well and get the same essence from the oil as the incense. And using oil diffusers is a way to reduce the super strong lingering smell and the smokiness that comes from it. If you have witchy decorations or crystals on an altar or a shelf that you use, add some non-witchy things around it to distract others from making it look too mystical. Um, and then if it has a couple maybe cute little figurines with it, it could just end up looking like a zen corner or maybe you just like shiny crystals and stuff so people might not question it. If you work with the moon and like to make moon or even sun water for the case, if you work with the sun, you can use jars that are unlabeled and put them away in places that people won't look at them as maybe you're just soaking a jar that's dirty or hide it somewhere where they're not going to just be like, what is this? Then dump it or toss it. And kind of attached with moon water or any other sort of oils that you use or make, if you want to draw sigils on windows or doorways or mirrors, use your water to do that. Um, and with this, it's that it should dry or evaporate. Maybe a little different if you're using an oil. But if you do these protective sigils or any other type of sigils in your home, the good thing about using water is that you can't see it when it dries or even when it's wet, really, if you're doing it by yourself in private in no one's home. So that's just a way to help do some kind of protective things that no one will know about. So that was all for kind of the normal list that I have. But this next list that I have is going to be more for private and really secretive ways to hide your craft. This list is more for when you are more at risk of being exposed and there possibly being a more negative reaction to it. This is for the situations where it might result in families and friends reacting very badly and or if you have little to no privacy and nosy family members and people who may be super hyper-religious in other religions that might see witchcraft as evil. 
The first thing I have on the list is that if you don't want to have a physical book of shadows or you don't want to physically take notes by hand, use Google Docs or even if you want to use Microsoft Word. But the thing is if you share computers or people can get into your computers, it might be easier for them to find that because there's usually some sort of history that's easy to pull up unless you have a super like protective password on your computer. But Google Docs is a little bit easier. If you use Google, make maybe a private email that might not be witchy in the title that you can use and then use that Google account to take your notes. If you do this, I would also suggest clearing your browser, logging out of the email every time and maybe removing. I know sometimes if you go back to like past emails that are used on the computer that it will show the past emails that were logged in even if they still need to type in a password. Clear whatever history you need every time you do it if either you have a shared computer or even a private computer that someone might have access to. But at least using the Google Docs is a way that they can't physically destroy something of yours or it's just a little easier to where they can't find something laying around. If you don't feel safe doing that on a computer, do the same thing on your phone or there are phone note apps that you can use and if they have protective passwords as well, that could work too. Your book of shadows doesn't need to be a physical book you can be a digital witch if you want and sometimes it is better because if something gets lost or stolen you can still access it if it is digitally uploaded or just typed into an email or an app particularly if it has some sort of like cloud related thing where you could access it anywhere also the good thing about maybe having your stuff digital is if you get to the point where you can print things out and save them you can either make changes you can not have to worry about there being spelling mistakes if you do spell check or worrying about bad handwriting. If you want to read witchy books, get digital downloads of the books on your phones or tablets or download PDF versions that you can maybe hide instead of having hard copies. If you have an iPad or you have a Kindle or the Amazon Fire thing, whatever it is, use that. If you have tools that you use, store the tools and in other things that might be too difficult for other people to go, go through. Because if it is too much of a hassle for them to go through your stuff, especially if you live with people who are nosy and like to go through your things, either put things in things that are locked up, get chests or lock boxes, or just stack other things on top of your tools to make it just look like it's not even worth them to go through. That's not always the case because there are like mothers or parents or siblings or children that will go through your things no matter what. So think about what will be the easiest and safest thing for you to hide your tools as well. If people are really nosy, usually the first things they'll go to is under your mattress or in your underwear drawer or anything that is super, super obvious. At this point, I'd avoid those places. If it comes down to you can't keep your stuff at home, if you have friends or family members that you can trust and you know for sure will not spill your secret, take them to those places with those friends or family members that are you are opening up to or maybe it's that one person that you can trust or might be doing a witchcraft practice with you and they can keep it and they won't have any problem. Say your best friend is also a witch or they're the person who got you into it. Keep your supplies over there and then when you want to practice maybe go over there or go get some of your tools and bring it back when no one's home. 
Okay, so that was the last list that I have for today and kind of the main things that I was able to think of that I think could possibly help you if you wanna practice when you are still in the broom closet. Not all of these tips might work for everyone and not everyone will like all the same techniques. So depending on your situation, see what works for you and choose what will be safe for you to do or just whatever that you think would just be the most convenient as well. If you have other techniques, actually I would be interested in hearing what you do to maybe practice um, in secret or privately and you can go ahead and maybe just send me a message on Instagram if you would like or Twitter if that's what you use. I know not everyone uses all the same social medias so go ahead if you just want to like send me those after you listen to this episode. I'd be interested in how people practice while they're in the broom closet. So the next thing I just kind of want to talk about is what could possibly be the worst case scenario if someone finds out about your practice and they are not a fan of it. One thing that might happen is you might not be able to practice even if you're not exposed yet of being a witch or being interested in witchcraft, you might not be able to practice in your current home or situation. I would say if you are at risk of losing your home, your items being destroyed, risking harassment, or even something worse of possibly happening, if that practice is so important to you, you can still wait until you figure out a way to move out depending on what it is. In some cases, that is very much easier said than done because if it's either money or it's a marriage situation or it's a dependability situation, if you have to live with someone, say maybe if you have a disability and you are reliant on other people to assist you and you can't live on your own, if any of those are the case and you could possibly put yourself in danger, please think long and hard about the things that you can do if you truly want to practice. Maybe you might not be able to do spells or the spells you do have to be very small and very, very secretive or not obvious at all. And maybe that's not what you wanna do, but it's all that you can do. It might be harder to come out of the broom closet to spouses or older family members if they have a history of being against other religions that are not their own. Some people unfortunately have experienced destruction of property, harassment, even kicked out of their homes because of their practice of witchcraft or their conversion to a sort of paganism. This can also be extremely hard for those who find themselves in situations who have no promises or guarantees that their spouses or parents will ever accept it. And sometimes when they do get exposed or they try to openly talk about it, they are given ultimatums. It's their family or their practice. Sometimes they aren't given an option to have both. And it's a very sad situation. And I have never been in that situation, so I don't know what to say what to do in that case, that is up to you to decide what is more important to you and to yourself. I personally would not encourage anyone from keeping secrets from their partners, husbands, or wives because good relationships are not built upon secrets. But if you're an adult and you make that choice because witchcraft is important to you, just understand that it may cause issues and they could possibly get upset. And I hope if you get to a point where you want to talk to them about it, that they don't give you ultimatums. But just know that good relationships aren't built upon secrets. But if you know that they won't be accepting of it and you want to tell them about it, I hope it doesn't break your relationship. But at the same time, it is up to you to decide which path in your life that you want to take. 
I do have a small list of things that you can do if you're slowly or getting ready to come out of the broom closet to either friends or family or both. I am more open about it to friends, not much to my family. They know, but we don't talk about it or maybe they don't know the extent of it with me. But like the other day I had a family member stay the night and they were in my room, but that just happens to be where my altar was. I made the choice to not put anything away Thankfully, it is someone that I know won't say anything and they probably honestly don't care. On occasion, they'll make like a joke about like Reiki and stuff because they know about my Reiki, but Reiki in itself is not witchcraft. So I have openly talked about it, but that was my choice and my slow exposure to give them. But if you're confident about opening up to others or you just want to slowly expose them to it and you know nothing really negative will come out of it, here are a couple of things that you can do to maybe gauge the situation before you launch the whole big bomb on them. You can start to leave out some of your tools, see if they say anything about it. Maybe you can start watching movies or TV shows that have to do with the subject. Maybe you already did it and they didn't think of anything of it, but if not, maybe watch more of them and see if they say anything as well. You can show them cool videos or cool things that you found that you want to purchase. Maybe some decorations that are a lot more witchy and you're like, hey, I really like this. And then maybe they'll ask or maybe they'll look at you and be like, oh, I understand what you're trying to do. Um, or maybe openly talk about meditating, do a yoga, gardening, or things that can be associated with witchy things that can seem normal, but then slowly you can kind of trickle your witchy things into those as well. If you're really confident about letting them know, just openly lay your tools and the books that you're reading out for them to see and look at, especially if they're obviously witchcraft related. You can also just straight up tell them. If you're at a point where you want to be open and tell them and you don't have any doubt that anything bad will happen and everything will be pretty good, just tell them when you're ready. So that's all I have for tips for you today. Maybe one day all of us will be comfortable about talking about witchcraft or our religious beliefs that are not mainstream to the whole world around us. But for now, for those who would enjoy it to be a little more private with your craft, just go with the flow. If you meet people that you can be open to, tell them. If there are people in your life you don't want to tell, don't tell them. There are people out there who will love and support you and sometimes it takes a little bit to notice who they are or maybe you just haven't met them yet. But until the day maybe when you guys can openly practice if you aren't already or we can all together collectively be open about it and not have to worry about anything happening or any things being said that could harm us, um, just be safe, make good choices, and enjoy being a witch. Sometimes silence teaches us more than openly talking about something ever could. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you guys would like to follow me on the social media, on Instagram, it's Cats Tea and Witchcraft, on Twitter, Cats Tea and Witch, and you can also send an email at Cats Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I also want to say that about a couple weeks ago, I was actually a guest on another podcast. If you would like to hear me on that episode, it is actually a Harry Potter related podcast. Um, my friend um, is the was one of the hosts or the main host. Her name is Christina. And I was a guest going over the chapter Talons and Tea Leaves in 
the Prisoner of Azkaban book. Um, the Restricted Section is a podcast that goes over and rereads the Harry Potter books with a bunch of adult friends. And they just kind of talk about how they used to feel about it, how they think about it now, and just crack a lot of jokes about the things that they read about these crazy witch and wizard teenagers going throughout it. Um, but yeah, the episode that I am in is Talons and Tea Leaves Part 1. We do talk about divination in that one, which is fun and one of the reasons that I picked that particular chapter to be a part of. And I got some good questions out of it. And it was quite interesting. It was quite fun, especially since I did read the books growing up. But rereading them now in a different perspective as being a witch but also an adult is just a really different experience. So if you want to listen to that, please follow the restricted section. And my episode is Talons and Tea Leaves Part 1. So I will talk to you guys next week. And I hope you have a good one. Blessed be.